BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. The second day of school, I wait for that letter, the one that tells me which foods I won't be allowed to send to school with my child as a precaution for another child in the case of a severe allergy. We are all well ingrained with the no peanut rule, but over the years, I've been held back from sending a variety of foods to school. It's a complete and total inconvenience for me, but it's a constant worry, a panic, and a life and death situation for another family, and I need to keep that in mind. We read books and manuals as new parents about when to introduce foods and solids, and then you can add in the added fear if they actually have an allergic reaction to something. Allergies are one of the most common ailments, causing children to miss school and parents to miss work. Left untreated or unresolved, stuffy noses, itchy skin, and irritated bellies can lead to actual chronic asthma, eczema, inflammatory bowel disease, and neurological disorders. It can add in fatigue, irritability, body aching, digestive problems, and other vague ailments all typical of allergy. It can also be related to environmental factors, additives, body chemistry, addictions, parasites, and childhood illness. Lori Prushing is all too familiar with the issues involving allergies and children to the point, I think, of her desperate tears in the pantry one night. So much so that she became a holistic nutritionist to focus on children with food allergies and finding the right supplementation as well. She created her business and the website, Allergies and Me. So she's got amazing blogs covering topics like picky eaters and pooping, thought I'd say that, uh, the immune system, I'm going to ask about the NEMCHEC protocol, and where we're really seeing a ton of hidden hidden symptoms. So welcome to Living Your Life with Leanne Lang, the podcast brought to you by Extension Marketing. And as always, if you're looking for business tools, ways to be able to market yourself, check out their website, extensionmarketing.com. Lori, so nice to have you here. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Did I describe it well? I, I, when I was researching the topic, I didn't realize you know, how far, how deep it actually goes. You completely hit it all. Yeah. Okay, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sitting here mouth yeah. open. <laughs> yeah. Okay, she, she hit on it. So at least people will know what kind of what we're heading into. Yep. And I think, you know, when, when we when we were talking outside, you know, like, I think that first story, like how usually the, for me, it's always like the how did you end up here? And it was a, a pretty emotional roller coaster for you as to how you ended up in the seat 14 years later. Yep totally was I mean the boys were so young um, and we had all kinds of things you know gastro random stomach aches headaches not sleeping hyperactivity dark circles bloated bellies eczema everything everything that you listed we had them all I mean I actually have a slide and we went through every single symptom we've had them all um, between both of them and we just started looking for answers they weren't sleeping we weren't sleeping we were exhausted and specialist after specialist you know tests are normal no nothing's wrong you know oh um toddler diarrhea yeah yeah yeah. that's common you know like he never had a normal poop <laughs> we're gonna talk about poop mm-hmm. oh yep. yeah we're gonna talk about poop Very so how, how old were the boys like th- this this started incredibly they were, young yeah they were four and five they were four and five four and five. so when you made it through the you know the breastfeeding and the implementations of solids and kind of going through the applesauce and pureed carrots was that all seemingly normal at the time for you yep yep um cereal of course was in there and it was either probably corn or soy based and not knowing anything of it you know and then you move to cheerios and then goldfish and then a whole lot of processed foods and then the symptoms just started creeping up and they were eating this stuff and then they of course became picky eaters self-limiting that's all they wanted to eat the sugars the yogurts the ice creams everything was processed um so yeah when we started looking for answers test after test we were like you know what I had a nutritionist back then um and he helped me when um I had given birth and he just said why don't you just do a food allergy test and I'm like we don't have food allergies in our family I don't know it took you that long though into the ages of four and five to actually to have that dialogue and have that discussion yep you just think oh it's a phase oh we'll just get through this you know what I mean you're just always and then year after year you're exhausted you're a walking zombie and then you're like enough you know, they were waking up during the night, staying awake, bouncing off the walls. And you're like, this is wrong. Were they able to express that their bellies didn't feel right or that they were cramping? Like there wasn't an expression for them to know because 
it was how they kind of felt all the time all for them the to time. not think that it was different. That is an excellent question because ours was still nonverbal at five and we're like, you know, what's going on? You know, the at the school, the teachers are trying to show us, oh, there's signs there, learning difficulties. Um, so no, he would just scream, cry and tantrum all the time. And then, of course, my youngest looking up to his big brother would follow suit. So I had like two screaming <laughs> banshees and it was like, we just couldn't take them anywhere. We just couldn't take them anywhere. They were just hyperactive and, and unhappy and in pain, but we just didn't know it. Oh gosh. Yeah. I would have, I, I would have stayed in the pantry. You was like, here's the minute. I'm like, I would have just stayed in there, had a good cry and be like, I, I could just figure it out. I'll be here for the night. Yeah, yeah. So it was desperate measures. It was. Um, so by the time my nutritionist said, you know, what you do? I was like, you know what? Sure. We were the first of our generation. And I kept saying, you know what? I feel like mommy intuition, right? The mommy intuition kicks in. You're like, every time they eat this, they go ballistic. Yeah, I'm like, I think it's the food. Everyone thought, oh, you're crazy. It's not the food. Well, with that first allergy test, and it's a blood test. And I didn't know this. I didn't know what we were getting into, right? Two page, two pages of all foods listed. And they were off the charts for the stuff that they were eating every day. So gluten, dairy, corn, soy just all off the charts and you're like now what so again we had to be guided through okay you have to start removing the foods calming the immune system you know building back their bowel flora probiotics supplementation okay so let's go through that so step one a your nutritionist says you need to have them checked for allergies yep you go in and you have blood work drawn uh, for both boys um one first the The oldest oldest. the oldest yes he was worse he was worse so blood work comes back you're given this sheet with pretty much almost every food you can think of yep is there like um okay a i would think a bit of guilt like why didn't i think of this sooner am i allowed to say that um you know what yes and no i think the guilt came after but at first one overwhelm like you're just like now what and then no one told me no one told me these foods could cause this. And everyone around me, that includes practitioners and professionals, oh, no, 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 it's not the food. It can't be the food. So you're constantly reinforced with this message, right? So it was overwhelmed. Like, now what do I feed them? Because of the pizza and burgers and, like, French fries, everything they were eating every day was on this list. So now what do I feed them? So, okay, that, yeah. that would be the overwhelming is seeing the results. And then it's the now what? Yep. Right. It's okay. so where where do you start? And then it was watching the reaction now of the, of your of your boys as you're taking things off the menu. What yep. was happening? Oh boy, we went through some tough times because um, I was outnumbered. Because they at the probably table. want right, and they probably want still oh, the yeah. French all of this stuff. Okay, <laughs> yeah. I didn't realize this, but you can be totally addicted to these things. The stories that I hear from my families now, like sneaking into the pantry in the middle of the night and scarfing down Cheerios, the mothers are like, what's that? That's addictive behavior. And I didn't know that that was possible and both my boys were there. So yep, they wanted those foods and it was like, okay, you know what? We had to put our foot down. They're not even in the house. We're not eating them. You're not eating them. And it was tough. Like the first week, two weeks, tantrums, um, hunger strikes, not eating this. I think they both tried that once and I simply, you're not going to starve. Nope. Okay. No supper. Right. Bed. Bye. So the hunger strike, they attempted, it didn't didn't (laughs) quite work. They attempted it once. And never again. So when you mentioned, so for your, your husband, it's eliminating the foods in the house. So that took a toll on you. I mean, you're not even allowed to have the foods that you enjoy eating in, in the house based on them kind of sneaking in and trying to find them. Yep. Yep. So staggered process. It took me a while. It took us all a while because um, it's a staggered process. And again, now I see those families and I'm able to say, you know what? Been there. I get it. The moms that are making four different meals each meal time, like they're doing that now and that's what we did so okay he was he had all the allergies he got his meal and we all kind of had this like say a stew or something like that and he got his gluten-free dairy-free stuff but it was just slow step-by-step eliminating first we removed all dairy and replaced it and it was hard back then we didn't have like the coconut yogurt and all that stuff so I learned to make a lot of things from scratch Um, and then after that it was gluten just step by step one week at a time so when you go grocery shopping as soon as it runs out you just buy the equivalent at the store 
there was a lot of gluten-free stuff back then. So um, one step at a time. Um, and then maybe about a year in, my youngest, his symptoms started going through the roof. And we looked at each other and we said, should we do this again for him? Their brother. So, okay, let's do it. Oh, my God. All the same allergies, completely different symptoms. And their brother's. So can you go through what each <laughs> showed? Because I, even looking through the list of what hidden symptoms can really be like. So what were the two different scenarios for you? And this is what I teach my families. It's, it's just so fascinating. That's where I started getting hooked going, what's going on with the food? And what's it doing to their little bodies? Um, and again, it's only what you, okay, you only when, when you remove it, then you can correlate because the symptoms disappear and you're like, ah, that was that. So for example, um, gluten. Gluten for my oldest, when he ate it, it caused eczema, it caused hyperactivity, and it caused belly bloat, and he just wouldn't eat. He'd be starving, take two bites, and not eat again. Um, and But gluten in my youngest caused high anxiety, night terrors, and insomnia. And you only knew this once you... Once it was removed. removed. Me and my husband are like, do you realize that that's gone? We knew it was um, insomnia because, uh, well, anxiety too. He was only seven, around six or seven. I remember that. And he would be so nervous the night before, like, you know, a test at school. He wouldn't sleep. So I remember walking in one time at like six o'clock in the morning and he's up awake in bed. And I'm like, what time did you wake up? And he said, midnight. And he was awake that whole time quietly. And I'm like, something's really wrong. So when the gluten was gone, gone, pfft, he sleeps like a rock. The anxiety slowly melted away. And then um, I remember saying to my husband, hey, you know what? We haven't had someone wake up screaming in a long time. Because once a week, someone was waking up screaming and we were up with them for hours. And that just kind of melted away. So two very different, a multitude of symptoms, very different in each one. But in removing it, you started to see those things removed as well. Yeah, they just melted away. Hmm. Okay, so the gluten was the start? Yep. Yeah. Where do you go from there? Um, dairy. Like, I now say to my family, there's the biggest four. There's gluten, there's dairy, there's soy, and there's corn. These are all really, really hard to digest. They have large protein molecules, and if they're not broken down properly, they just cause what I call interference in the body and all kinds of things. And it's different per child. Um, so I always go one step at a time. Now today, I, I say it's it's easier to remove dairy because there's so many equivalents out there. You can do almond, you can do coconut, you can do rice, like milk, yogurt, you name it. Um, and um, the body clears itself of dairy in two weeks. So in two weeks, you can see in your child a different baseline. Like if that truly was attached to, you know, dairy and their tolerance, all the symptoms will melt away. Can you say where there are different <clears throat> symptoms for each boy with the dairy? Um... Or where do you see dairy show up more in symptoms that typically come through? Yes. Um, dairy causes mucus. So it'll cause mucus because it doesn't, the body doesn't want it, the protein to touch the membrane. So you're going to see it in um, ear infections, in asthma, in that post-nasal drip, in that chronic cough. And now that you mention it, it was ear infections in my oldest and my youngest always had a runny nose. And I, again, I did not attribute that. But when dairy were, it was like, okay, just melted away. And months later, you're like, hey, he doesn't have that constant, you know, red runny nose anymore. So, and it's interesting. It's so two weeks and the dairy is out of your system. Yep. Are there other items that take a lot longer or other items that are shorter? Um, I'd say I go for dairy first because okay. then the parents will usually see and then they'll get invested because if there isn't an intolerance Because over two there, weeks, right, you, you're yep, seeing things. You okay. see. It's, it's really hard. Mm -hmm. And then again, over time that I've learned, gluten takes six months to clear from the body. It's that insidious. It's it's just resides and it's all over. So it takes that long to clear. So that's a lot longer to see symptoms. Like celiac. I talk to the people that are celiac now and literally when they finally get off it, even a small little crumb can send them into a tailspin. Hmm. Yeah. But it, but when you're a parent and you're looking at expectations, there's this, the dairy is a is a good indicator that you would see changes the quickest of all the yeah, of all the other ailments. That kind of usually gets them invested. They're like, whoa, what is this? Just like we did, right? Mm -hmm. Because again, you're kind of going through this going, mm, not believing. But once you have the test, you see it black and white. And I remember sharing it with family members because who thought, you know, 
you know, grandpa and grandma were still feeding them whatever. And I'm like, I showed them the test and I'm like, you know what? We can't have these foods anymore. It's showing that it's hurting them. It's not a treat. It's hurting them. Um, then they finally got on board and made those changes. But uh, no, you see the biggest change if there's going to be in the quickest time. And then the parents are invested and want to learn more and want to explore more. It's like, okay, these symptoms are gone. We're still dealing with, you know, dark circles or maybe insomnia or maybe constipation. What else can we learn? How different is it going to be between, as you mentioned, you had crazy loose stool, you had poop everywhere, and and constipation, two very different, you know, it's coming from the same tract, but it's, it's, it's dealing with a very different... Yep. And again, it's funny you say that because that was both my boys. We never had just normal average. One of them was chronically diarrhea and the other one was constipated to the point where we're rushing to ER, find out he's impacted. He has to have an enema, like just not moving at all. Hmm. Yeah. So, and again, I I can't tell if it was dairy or gluten because we were like doing so much at that time. But when both of those were gone, all that disappeared just disappeared they started being regular no pain even now today I still ask them (laughs) when was the last bowel movement I think I think his parents is like a constant conversation or it's like as soon as they complain of a stomach ache it's the first question that comes up okay so when was the last time you went so you're going through all of this at what point do you realize I've suffered my family has suffered enough where was all the information where was all of this available to me Yeah, excellent question. Because somewhere in there, I think around the time where my youngest had the test and I was like, oh my God, brothers, same allergies, completely different symptoms. I'm like, okay, why? So I was hooked. I'm like getting all the books that I can. I was all every spare minute reading about nutrition and learning disabilities and how the body works, how the brain works, you know, how digestion works. Um, and then the years just go by, all the symptoms melted away. Um, we came out of it. Um, and then somewhere in there, my husband's like, you know what, you're totally into this, you should go back to school. And then maybe you can start helping other families go through what we went through. And I finally listened to him. And it's funny, because I was able to do uh, an open house day at there's two learning centers in Ottawa and I went to both of them and it's funny they're they both had the same course line and the one that had um the allergy course that's where I went CS in it <laughs> I wanted because that you course. wanted that yeah and going through the course I was that class nerd in the back because everything I lived and I read with my boys when we, I learned it in the classroom, I was just aha moments. I was mm-hmm. like, oh, that's why when I did X, this happened, you know? I was, and then everyone was, everyone knew my story. It's such an open and sharing environment. We mm-hmm. just share what you're going through. So everyone knew about my boys. You know, there's there's one thing to have allergies, but when you're in this, you know, classroom setting and you're learning about this, how much of an impact does what we ingest and what we consume and what we put on our bodies really play a factor in our overall health and I'm talking environmental factors I'm talking everything totally agree totally agree um god I've, I've met so many people and had these conversations that yes it's environmental it's what we're exposed to it's our genetics it's our bowel flora that we've inherited so how healthy are you how strong are you what's your immune system like and can you are you able to ingest and digest and absorb and detox all the things that we're exposed to in the environment? God, it's funny because when you take one step and you learn, you take another step and you step, 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 and then you look back and you see how far you have come and there's no going back. You know, there's no, I, I don't want to return to that. It's like, wow, they're doing what to the animals? There's what in sunscreen? What? Because um, again, we, we started doing more testing when we were after the allergy test and, um, my oldest is full of heavy metals and again as a mom you get this test and you're like what he's got mercury and aluminum and lead where is this coming from so then you have to go and research more so I learned through my oldest who taught me everything he was exposed to breathed put on his skin eat pesticides it stayed in his body because the he just 
couldn't detox it. His systems were topsy-turvy and his body was not able to detox. Are some people, individuals able to detoxify much easier than others? Oh, that, of course. Because we're all in the same environment yeah. and yet somebody's going to be inf- affected yeah. and not. Yeah, yeah. I think there's varying degrees of all of that, right? So if you're healthier, your immune system's strong, you got a great um, bowel flora, you have no problems. You inherit the bowel? Like, yeah. you, I, you just mentioned <laughs> that there's a genetic component. You inherit yes. your, your... So... If you have a family history of people who have issues, it's it's passed on. Yes, and that's, again, what my boys taught us. They were our guarding light. So from them, I did the allergy test, lactose intolerance. You know, I kind of suspected my whole life, but I just never paid attention. And then I started getting serious about it. And then my mother started paying attention. God bless her. She was like, you know what? I got to do this test too. So she did the test. Guess what? lactose intolerant gluten intolerant so it was clear that it came down from my mother's side okay but this is i think where the arguments start right um is where do you go from intolerance right the intolerance to the allergy and where do you pay attention and how society has changed and why are we dealing with so many more allergies like peanut allergies 50 years ago is not what we're seeing it today so why such a drastic shift for these generations This is the million dollar question, right? This is the one that everyone's asking. That's the first thing that the family say if they do the allergy test or I'm like, why? After all these years and all the reading that I've done, again, everything that we just talked about is the thing that all interplays. It's like that rain bucket analogy. You've heard of that, eh? If everything that's in your rain bucket, you know, the tolerance your microflora you know have you gone on antibiotics what have you been exposed to you know what was your mother's health like and then the bucket will just spill over and you start to have symptoms like the eczema and the asthma and the rashes and the the gastro um but yeah it's uh it breaks my heart every time i see an article that you know a child dies from eating a cookie like that just shouldn't be it just shouldn't be so sliding scale like all I can think of is that it's a sliding scale. It goes from sensitivity, moving into intolerance, moving to full-blown allergy. And everyone's different, you know. Um, I had one client, I remember he said, I love ice cream. I'm addicted to ice cream. I eat one cone, I'm fine. Two, I'm fine. Three, boom, I'm rushing to the bathroom. So compounds. It hmm. compounds in your I'm body. I'm like that with the, my wine and cheese. <laughs> Two slices, I'm okay. Three, I look six months pregnant. <laughs> the next day, I'm I have cramps. Like it's it's you know it's amazing. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you know even as adults, right? It's like you you it's like you decide what's the what's the how much do I want to weigh in? Yep. Do decide. I want the cheese or do I want the, and and it's like okay, no, I'm up for the discomfort for a couple hours. I'm gonna choose the cheese. Or you're kind of going, ah, eh, no, it wasn't that yeah. pleasant that time. It wasn't worth it. Yeah. But we're making these decisions as adults, and yet. Uh, for children, they're not quite, they don't have that information or the explanation to to be no. able to say it. So you do the course, you start to implement this. Was it, you know, it's one thing to be able to show a person a list and be like, by the way, these are all the foods that they're allergic to. This is what they're intolerant to. Here's your list. Go home. Or I really feel the benefit then is, okay, where's my how? Okay, now that I know this, now I want to know how do I deal with it and how do I fix it and what are my suggestions and how do I make alternatives and I would think that's really your like your experience is to this is your reality now here's how you're going to deal with it um we didn't have guidance we got the test and okay don't eat these foods bye and I actually have people that come to me that have had that test and their lists are even longer like there's a whole bunch of red down the first page and they're like what do I do I was literally don't eat these foods bye so because we went through that, we didn't have the guidance. That's what I want to be. I want to be the help that I needed 14 years ago. So I'll take your hand. I'll show you. Because 14 years ago, I was literally reaching out online Yahoo groups. I mean, Facebook wasn't even around back then, right? So I was Yahoo groups and phoning moms and how are you doing this? And like just trying to cut through the jungle of mm-hmm. how, what am I going to do next? So that's what I do. I hold their hand like, okay, one thing at a time. Start with the milk. Then with ice cream, swap it out. Yogurt, swap it out. Butter, gone. Use this instead, coconut oil. It's just one little change at a time. Just one, one, one. I've had um, moms come to me and say, I want to overdo the whole pantry. And I'm like, 
you're setting yourself up for failure because you'll just be in there crying like I was <laughs> closing the door because that means everything will have to go everything because dairy and gluten are in everything every packaged good every that's what when people start to realize and read ingredients they're right. so overwhelmed because as you're mentioning <laughs> that you're talking about gluten and dairy you know their immediate thought is okay bread and milk right or or the yogurt or the cheese yep. but what we're not thinking about is, yeah, this is the this is where the the bad wake up call is is when you is you take the time to look at the the yeah. ingredients because it's one thing to say I can't have that glass of milk. It's another to say in my favorite food package process, it's in there too. It's in there too. It's in salad dressings. It's in gosh condiments. You know all these things you wouldn't think of, but when you start ingredient looking at the ingredients, it's like that's where the daunt becomes. So have you done that list of here's where all the hidden hidden items are (laughs) here's the list of things you can't have now here's the added list that I've created for you that has all the hidden places that you're going to find all of those things it's like a it's like a Pandora's box once you open it it's like you're you're or a domino yeah it's it's never ending yeah that's where it definitely gets daunting because you learn that there's no regulation for naming and packaging right and so what sugar has like 50 different names out there gluten has 30 different names out there there's wheat there's hydrolyzed whatever there's yeah so you have to break it down I literally have a page per okay just watch for these ingredients and then you just realize that there's no way around it you have to get back into the kitchen and start to make it pull up my old grandma's recipes all right make it really simple and then just substitute in the gluten-free flour coconut oil it's kind of like a retro eh? like you're mm-hmm. having these old grandma's recipes gosh, putting a spin <laughs> but if we go retro we were healthier yes. we weren't obese you know all of the issues that we are now seeing is when you go retro and you eat real yeah. raw foods yeah. natural ingredients yeah. gotta get back into the kitchen and I was never a good cook back then. Oh, my husband will laugh. (laughs) The first meal I made for him was pierogies. You attempted a pierogi? I don't know why. Start with like a spaghetti sauce. I went pierogies and it turned out horrible. (laughs) He didn't say a word, but even to this day, he'll he'll talk about that. But I've come so far from that. And just because of my boys, I've had to learn to make bread from scratch, ice cream from scratch, make my own cheese. I make cashew cheese, um, baking, you name it. And now I can take any recipe. I've actually taught courses now. You can take any recipe and make it healthy. Just swap out gluten, dairy, corn. Egg. Can't be done. Yeah, even egg. Even egg. Even egg. So you're doing you're doing all of that. How much, though, time needs to be invested in I mean I'm sorry most people are just reaching for the bread to make a sandwich and just making the sandwich for some of us is really annoying because that takes time you've had to actually go and make the bread (laughs) so you know that's time like how how do you suggest or is there a prep time is there a prep day when you're doing all of this Uh, yeah good question same thing evolution because those are the moms that I see now what I was 14 years ago working full-time both parents working full-time you pick up the kids you're starving and then you just end up you know grabbing something or going taking out one thing at a time um so we've evolved into prepping on the weekends so when groceries fall when they do but prep time is definitely on the weekends and as the kids get older like when they start, you know settling down and starting to pay attention we started educating them showing them documentaries teaching them about food making a garden like okay yeah you can shred this lettuce you can start doing this and now that they're teens they're making whole meals by themselves when you talk about documentaries that's okay we're always allowed it was just it was just like a little bit of music that is my meditation reminder oh (laughs) Good for you. Can we talk about Lori who started her meditation and who, by the way, went and got that 10% happier book? I'm so excited. Oh, because I watched your podcast. It was one of those goosebump moments. I was just like, oh my God, this is exactly what I needed to hear. I got that book, read it in three days and that's it. It's been two weeks and I've like meditated every day. It's a great, it, like, I, I'm, like, I'm so excited. <laughs> like, for me, this is, like, my happy happy moment was, is when people just say, like, you know, I listened or I, I thought about it. I went and did something, and it's changed. Like, that, that's, those are my winning moments. And I'm so excited because a lot of people have actually picked it up. And I even had, like, my niece's new, they just got my new husband started on it. And wow. he's, like, a couple, and he's loving it. And I'm just like, hey, these are, like, big wins for me. Yes, yes. Okay, so, <laughs> so that's, well, at least now I know what that app sounds like. It's really quite soothing. Yep. I don't even know where was I 
we were talking uh, the time the time commitment to, oh, yes. to doing um, this. Busy families. Yes. How do you do it? Prep. So again, you just evolve into it. Get the kids involved. They're young. They can do all kinds of things, even if it's at the table, shreds. Are they aware now? So how old are the boys now? Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. They're 18 and 16. Okay. So where are they in the process now? Will they still try to sneak in something when, and then we'll just keep quiet about not feeling great? Like how do they deal with it? It took a while. I mean, each one of them were different. Um, we still have lots more to do detox for my oldest, but my youngest bounced back immediately. Like, And I was one of those, again, nerd moms. I would do the allergy test because I wanted to see the markers come down okay. and feel safe. So I remember the one time, and it was just a couple years in, um, my oldest, the markers were all gone. And I let him go out and have pizza with his friends. So they can have these foods, but once in a while. Like, so the symptoms aren't extreme you can the body can tolerate these foods again um, but they know like if he goes out too many times with the friends and has it things will start creeping up on him how often should people then do the markers once they've cleared it from the system to be able to and and how important are knowing those markers so that you can maybe also indulge or enjoy yeah yeah um I did them every year. Um, if you do them any sooner than that, you might not see any movement because mm-hmm. it's really neat. I mean, it comes in um, a color-coded barcode, right? And you can see them come down and the numbers decrease. Um, so, yeah, every year I saw sizable movement. It was wonderful to see. And just like you, we were talking about adults, you know yourself. You know, you have the once and then the twice and then the third time you're going to pay for it, then just stop it too if you can. I mean, I'll be, I'm still craving cheese all these years later, but I know if I eat it, I will really pay for it. Mm-hmm. So you find cashew cheese. I love cashew cheese now. So you're able to do that. Yeah. In the intro and as I was researching and looking at things, to, to read that if undiagnosed, if you know, left untreated, some of these allergies, it really does lead to chronic illness later on. So what have you seen, or you've done a lot of the research, you've read these books, what are, what is inevitably waiting for you if you're not dealing with this? I think that's going to be completely different for every single person, right? And I often wonder, like, because celiac is one of the most severe, right? Even a crumb sets them off. And I wonder if that's does it slowly compound in the body and then one day boom? Or does it just go like a switch off on? I don't know. I'm still reading. I'm still learning. I'm, my families teach me now. But I know that in my boys, it definitely compounded. It crept up over time. Like the tantrums just got bigger or louder. Their foods got reduced to like just literally four. They would eat just four things. And you know, as a mom, like I also listen, tell me, listen to your mommy instinct. You know somewhere, you know, if you listen to that little voice inside, which meditation helps with, you listen to that little voice and it's right. Just follow it. Just listen to your instinct. When I went through your website, the blogs, the topics were amazing, right? So you have the the blog on the pooping. Mm-hmm. Um, you had on the picky eaters. So there's, you're going through things. One thing that I came across and I wasn't familiar with, so I want to ask you, was it, was it the NEMCHEC or... Nemechek protocol. What is that? I was actually asked to write that. Um, friend of mine working at a clinic asked me to read it and write it just for my thoughts. And I want to do a comparison because there's so much literature out there of like things you can do, diets you can like, oh my God. There's like books written on all these different diets, you know, GFCF, and then there's the specific carb diet, and then there's the, you know, oxalate diets and the Fengold diet. I'm sorry. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I'm getting off You topic. know what? No, but no. <laughs> I... Like, and I pretty much think I, I know quite a bit that's going on, but you didn't mention there keto or vegan or paleo. Like, those are the common ones. What on earth did you just mention? Like, what were you talking about? <laughs> Sorry. I'm like, nope, never heard of it. Never heard of it. What are you talking about? Uh, there's this incredible woman I follow, Julie Matthews, and she pretty much founded it all. But she, now 20 years um, okay. in nutrition, she helps children. Um, with learning dif- difficulties or on the spectrum or ADD and she's finding that their bodies just aren't able to tolerate some of the things that in are in foods and one oxalates and salicylates. So this is like a subset category of things in foods other than gluten and casein okay, that's so in the dairy. it's a subset. It's a different category. Like, okay. yeah. Oxalates? Yeah. What are they? <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. I, I would like to know. Yeah, yeah. And especially too, I think right there, you just piqued the interest of people who do have children on the spectrum, uh, yep. you know, with yep. learning to spill. Like right now you've piqued their interest a little bit more to go, hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um, 
So basically, it's just a subset of oxalates are basically crystals, um, and they the body just can't break them down, so they just end up circulating in the body and causing all kinds of havoc. You can have like bladder infections. Um, you know, it hurts when you pee when the child pees. Eyes, your eyes hurt. You're constantly rubbing your eyes. Joints. It's it's really fascinating how these crystals just kind of migrate all over the body just because they can't be broken down. And again, she's finding a lot of these children on the spectrum are having these issues. Just can't break down the food properly after you you know do the gluten and casein diet, and your child gets better. But then these new behaviors coming out, then start looking at subsets. Are they having too many nightshades? You know, potatoes, mushrooms, um, tomatoes. They all have a subset of. Um, I can't remember what the word is, but there's something in that food family that the body can't break down. So it's different per child. So she just helps. And I've, I've followed her. Actually, I'm looking at taking her certification course because it's fascinating as you get through all the levels to find out, okay, what else? What's going on? My body's, my, my child's body is not tolerating these things. If that mm. answers your question. Okay. So it does. <laughs> and then I'll can't bring it back because yeah. the, the, the name check, check is, is how we went on this. <laughs> yes. Okay. So what is, what was that again? Okay, um, really fascinating. So he is a doctor in the States and he specialized in um, children on the spectrum. And his big thing is, okay, I'm going to get this right. Olive oil. So he treats them like with really good quality omegas. And then that's it, a prebiotic. So not a probiotic, prebiotic. So food for the microflora, inulin. And that's it. So he's literally treating kids with olive oil, that's your omegas and your fats, and inulin to feed the good bacteria. And okay. these kids are getting better. Okay, I'm going to, okay, and I'm sorry because I might throw everyone off right now. Wasn't there <laughs> something oil? There was like a movie. Foren what is it? Lorenzo's Oil. Why am I feeling like this is a similar, like, right? Uh, Veronica's yelling at me right through the window. <laughs> yeah. It's perfect. Is that similar? Like, there was something like there was this oil that this dad created for his son. He was really, really sick. Yeah, Lorenzo's oil. Is it? Well, I don't know what in, what's in Lorenzo's oil, but it was something. So for him, it was an olive oil and a prebiotic. Yep. And is it mixed? What like a teaspoon? Like you taking it like before you eat? Like what, how? Yeah, you done? would mix it with the child's food. And again, his thing is slow, very slow progression. So a very small dose, and you build up, and you build up, and you build up. And for some, like for some families, it's a godsend. Um, I'm actually working with a doctor. Um, he sees children on the spectrum and the ones that don't respond to probiotics because sometimes their bowel flora are so bad and just overgrown that even a tiny amount of probiotics will set them off. Like we call it die off and you'll get severe behaviors. He's treating them with inulin instead and they're getting better. So that's what that book was about. They, okay. they asked me to read it and I was like, Meh, yes, I know. He doesn't get into supplementation, like vitamins and minerals. Like that's important too. If the child is a picky eater and they're not eating any whole foods or protein, yeah. you still need to get that in. Okay, because that was what I wanted to get to next because it, it, you know you talk about that and, and part of what you do in the supplementation. Yeah. So let's deal with that because sure. one of your things was on picky eaters. Yep. So you are dealing with that. You realize they are not eating certain foods that they would be getting proper vitamins. So how do you counterbalance? Yeah, just like we did all those years ago. So, and it's hilarious when I, I see myself, what I, what I became, I was like this mad scientist. So what I would do, and that's what I cancel my families now is the first thing, get them on smoothies, get your child liking smoothies. It doesn't matter how thin they can drink it or thick with an avocado right and they can spoon it because you can throw all kinds of vitamins and minerals in there and get them in because if the child like you said is not eating the foods you have to start getting them in that way so you can bring balance back and that's what I did so slowly slowly oh I should also say that you can also get a blood test and see what vitamins and minerals you're low in and then you know where to supplement so again with my oldest finding out that he had literally no calcium no magnesium like no zinc no like all these things were like barely registering so I had to have a bottle of each and put them in a smoothie every single morning and that making sure that he got it in and he slowly slowly it changed I, I don't think we're very familiar with how much we really should be having of any of those supplements right <laughs> like know. how much of the zinc and the magnesium and the vitamin d and the calcium do you yeah. break that do you you know do you know is it based per age per child per weight per what they're not getting 
Um, what I did back then and what I do now is I just go with the symptoms of the child. So I've learned, and again, through school, that's what tied it all together for me. When you are deficient in certain vitamins and minerals, the body will show classic signs. So, okay, so let's go through that. Yeah. So they're deficient in vitamin C. Is there something that you would be able to see on the other side? Um, is vitamin C, yeah. like vitamin C, vitamin A, you might find like brittle nails, dry skin, like your hair breaking off. Um, what was the other thing? Um, when you need fa- good fats in your diet, when you need EFAs, this one's very interesting. You get this bumpy rash. And it's usually on your torso or the back of your arms. So usually parents will come to say, oh, he has this weird rash. I'm like, is it on the back of his arms? They're like, yeah, how'd you know? That's a classic marker that you're missing essential fatty acids. So that you need some. for adults as well? Yeah. <laughs> I have some adults with that. It's like, you know what? Start giving yourself the fish oil. I, I And again, halfway in there for my mm-hmm. kids, I was like, I should be taking this stuff. So I started as well. Like. So I go with symptoms. That's how I kind of feel through it because everyone's different. You correlate. But again, you learn through the schooling, vitamins and minerals when you're deficient. Oh, here's another one. Zinc. Really important. Totally underestimated. Zinc. If you are deficient in zinc, your taste buds go off. So that makes me think, again, that's also involved in picky eating. Like um, chicken and egg. They're not eating the foods that they need to be eating. It's just kind of spiraling down. So they're missing those vitamins and minerals in order to be able to want them right they, their taste buds go off and again i saw that in my son we were supplementing zinc da, da, da. and then somewhere in there he started expanding he reached on my plate took a piece of broccoli and ate it i was like because they're not able to have it they're not differentiating the taste if you're i think it tastes bad from what i read um it could either taste bad to them or like burn their mouth or make their tongue feel itchy like eating a nut you you just, you'll, you'll miss the certain enzymes that you need in the mouth or in the digestive system and it'll just, it'll be off and they maybe can't vocalize it either. It's like, but I see that now in my family. It's like, they just won't eat that. They're sensory for texture or for a certain taste. They just want sweet. Oh, they just want salty. That kind of all means something of what's going on inside when Mm. they're craving. Does the same apply to an adult when we're craving salt and we're craving certain things <laughs> it might we're, we're deficient in certain in certain things so you know it's, it's one to be able to have the dialogue with a child as to what's happening or if they're too young to be able to see this what is happening when the children are incredibly young like you're already dealing with it at four and five but you know you could have people even very early on that know a certain food it's yep. it's deadly it's one thing to kind of have outbursts and but another one to know that there's that you know they could die how serious yeah. and how early on is that detected for people? Um, another good question. So I work with um, the Ottawa Anaphylaxis Support Group, the OASG, and they're an amazing group of people. And again, they're just that. They're the families with a very, very young child and very, very severe allergies. They're all EpiPen territory. You know, they advocate, they help you. There's resources. They help you go into the schools. They're great. I've heard their stories and it's just phenomenal because, you know, there's a whole like the introduction of foods when your baby, you know, Mm -hmm. becomes um, over 12 months. And they're people are just petrified now to introduce that peanut because of everything that's out there and what's what's going there they're now scared so now i'm like saying okay you know what don't don't make them eat it if if you have any hint of it being in your family you know what you do the easiest thing you can do is put it on the inside of the the child's wrist that's your most sensitive skin and that's very close to the the veins there and leave it for 24 hours well the remnants of it and you'll see if a rash starts to come out there's an allergy there but i mean you don't have to go as far as, as mm. testing it but It's funny that you say that, that most people are terrified. Like, I didn't even think about it. Same. Like, when I gave my kids peanut butter for their I didn't think about it. But it was not in my family history. There wasn't anything I hadn't been exposed to. Allergies, per se. So for some, it's not even in their thought process. And for others, they are sitting, you know stuck with anxiety over the even the thought the process of introducing these foods and do some people just not introduce them for fear of that 
Yeah, they won't have it in the house. Like, and again, I get it because there's the moms who are on EpiPens themselves. They won't have it in the house and they don't want to expose But the that child. makes sense, right? Mm-hmm. There's, a, as you were talking about yeah, it too, because yeah. it's past, the, you know, there is that. Yep. That there would be that fear. Mm-hmm. Completely. Um, same thing on the same vein. I have some where they learned, you know what I mean? Like the child eats a mouthful and then throws up or the swelling happens or they rush to ER or maybe they didn't because it wasn't severe enough. But at some point or another, they start to see an allergist and realize, okay, as the more that my child is is ingesting it, it compounds and it's just going to get worse each time. And then they're like, okay, none in the house, none. And trying to make family understand that, you know what? We don't want it to be any more severe than it already is. Please do not bring it in the house. Is there a, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Oh my gosh. Like a uh, difference between boys and girls? Are boys oh, like gender. Is, is gender? Yeah, is gender a factor? Wow. Um, no, I, not with what I see. Not with what I see. Not for allergies. Not with allergies. I mean, having a diagnosis is a, is a whole other ball game. But no, not for allergies. Not what I see. I'm not seeing. Hmm. I'm just seeing when I start to ask the questions, you know, like how was the birth? Um, did you breastfeed? Was it a C-section? Were they given antibiotics? Was those there, are is the, there a difference between a C-section and a natural? Yes. Why would you ask those questions? Yes. Okay, why? Um, and it's really cool too, the stuff that they're doing overseas. Okay, so when the baby goes through the birth canal, literally um, – what's happening is they will inhale like as they come out they will inhale mom's probiotics for the first time that's their first exposure to it is when they pass near you know through the canal yeah through through the canal yeah that's when they're inhaling it but if they're being pulled out of the belly not having that trip they don't have any exposure to probiotics so what they're doing now overseas is really neat they're swabbing mom they're swabbing mom Mm -hmm. and then they're putting it in the child's mouth so they can have the inoculated with their first probiotics. That's where it comes from. And then when you breastfeed, that's also probiotics. You're getting the good guys from mom. So if you do C-section and then you do bottle and then they have an ear infection and then you start with the antibiotics, I always tell my clients. fight off the antibiotics. As, as... They just kind of decimate everything, good and bad. And then what happens is the bad guys are more aggressive. So picture a field of dandelions just dandelions take over and that's what's happening inside and then you'll start to have the rashes and the like the symptoms start popping up with what's going on inside so it's it's really fascinating so those are the things that I look at and I really haven't seen excellent question if there's a gender mm-hmm. difference no at but all. well yeah. listen that question just led to you know if it's a c-section <laughs> or, or, or a vaginal normal. birth and I would never have thought that the yeah. inhaling of the prebiotics yep. is is or the probiotics is yeah. is part of this yeah yeah Really neat and to other to the parents and the families that are sitting there, and you ask them that question, do they ask why did you ask that? Yes. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Tell them. It's funny because it's like it's been my world for so long. I don't realize that other people don't know this stuff. So when I'm telling it to them, the look on their faces, I'm like, oh, oh, yeah, because I'm I'm on all these pages and I read all these things that they're doing overseas, and it's just so cool. So yeah, that's what they're doing now. They're they're swabbing and putting it in the child's mouth. Are we doing that here in North America, or that's just being done in Europe? I think so, so far, hmm. so far what I've seen, I think so, yeah. I'm just wondering if there's a pregnant woman right now who eventually ends up in a C-section and she's on the table be and like, hey, by the way, can, by you the just, way. can you just swab me, you know, like, and what? just put a little bit in my baby's mouth, <laughs> and they're going, oh, didn't, haven't you read the newest research? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Who knows, you know, it might come, but it, know? It, it makes sense, it makes sense. The studies are now there and showing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so this business for you has made sense. How many families, like on average, are dealing with this? Is there a percentage of children who, who, who have it, who deal with it? What are we seeing? It's funny because my perspective, I'd say, is now skewed because that's all that I see, right? Um, yeah, that's all that I see. Like I would say 100% of my families, the child is ex- experiencing a any kind of range of symptoms and maybe mom or dad learn from the child when we start talking about you know what's happening they're deficient they start doing testing and the mom goes you know what i've got xyz i should start doing some testing it's usually like and then it'll work backwards just like it did for us our mm-hmm. boys taught us so yeah my perspective is kind of skewed because i'll well I see and them now all. you've been able to connect all the dots backwards right backwards when we talked about because we mentioned pooping right off the, the, the bat 
because we're going to have a lot of nonverbal young children, at what point are you looking? I mean, I remember getting the, you know, the green stuff, like, you know, the transition is from baby on. I, I can't remember it all now. It's been a while ago. But how much focus should you put on what's coming out? Thank you so much for asking that because <laughs> um, it's one of the topics that families are averse to. Um, but you know what? Uh, my specialist long time ago said to me, the state of what's coming out reveals the state of what's inside. And again, when I was going through with my oldest, like weird, like green and red, and I literally at one point we were having white. So I remember going white, white like just white, I, oh, no color. And I'm like, that's really, you know, you feel it in your stomach. Like that's wrong. Something's really wrong. White. White. I mean, so, I get the red because anyway, if you've had beets, like, yeah, or something, peak, like, you know, but white, white, like what's in that? Like what, like nutrient, like, I'm just trying to think like there's, there's nothing to, well, being, oh, okay, wow. Okay. I'll let you go. <laughs> being the nerd that I am, I literally Googled it. And again, other moms have, there are blogs out there dedicated to poop and that's what I found. And literally color means something. So white poop means that literally he wasn't making enough bile to break down the foods. So like as I monitored it, like sure enough, like pieces of food were coming out completely undigested. Pieces of meat, pieces of corn, like way back. He wasn't digesting anything. White means there's no bile. They're not breaking down anything. And green, green is the other way. Green is too much bile. Maybe they're getting too much fat and their body's just excreting all this bile. So it's fascinating, uh, like they're sandy. They're like, so color and texture all mean something. And again, my intuition was screaming at me, this, there's something, something to wrong. it. Okay, so we've covered white, we've covered green <laughs> and color. Then you, meant, you just mentioned texture. Mm -hmm. So what are we looking at there? Okay, so that's what I say to my boys and all my families. The questions that you want to ask, you're like, okay, so you're going once a day, fine. But is it logs or is it pebbles, right? So texture, there's literally, it's called a Bristol chart. It'll show you, like in the doctor's office, they'll be like, oh, you should be right around here and it should be like a nice normal log um, and no pain, no bloating, no gas. But as you start to deviate either way, so this is hilarious that we're just talking about I think it's so valuable, <laughs> trust so me. Important. And I'm telling you right now, there are, there are parents right now who are going, okay, at their pen and paper out yeah. going, okay, so... Let's go back. So the okay. log. Okay, so let's go texture. Yeah. So log. log, just a solid straight line, no straining. It should come out. But if you go the other way, if it's too watery and there's air and they're gassy, so it's fermentation is going on. Um, too much water. So for whatever reason, the bowel is drawing too much water um, into it just to excrete it. And that's usually um, a case where somebody, again, has an intolerance and the body is trying to eliminate it. Like like when you have diarrhea, when you have a flu. The okay. body is trying to you know um fast track and eject bacteria and something it doesn't tolerate so that's usually what i'm seeing too is like it will eject it really really fast and okay. be like watery. you know yeah we all watery and not even formed and maybe some pieces of food in it okay and then you go the other way so sometimes people will think oh gosh i have diarrhea yeah but it's not it could it could be an intolerance or something to what you've eaten Okay. So you have to watch, like again, in context, right? If you have it for just a weekend, it goes back to normal. Eh, maybe it was a bug. But if it's chronic and ongoing and slowly getting worse and you're starting to like, okay, I need to do some tests and stuff, then start looking at all these other options, right? Look at food intolerances. Look at, you know, okay, what am I eating? Is it, what's going on? Is it IBD forming? Mm -hmm. Like there's so many things that it could be, but it's like chronically. Okay. We did not hit on the rabbit one, the, 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 the small, yeah, so the pebbles. Was the, the pebbles. So that's the total other extreme. And this is what I, I say to people too, is like, okay, so normally you should be going once a day. Um, but the longer it sits in there, it's not like a parking lot where it just sits there. The longer that it stays in there, the, the bowels and intestines are still massaging it. So it's still pulling water out of it. So it becomes harder and harder and harder. And then it, there's no lubrication. So it becomes really hard to pass, right? So then you're left with these dry rabbit pebbles, like you were saying, and all the water is drawn out of it. And then what's happening in the body with that is that you're, it's called auto intoxication again it's literally 
pulling back in the toxins that should be eliminated. So getting the kids pooping is so important. Like 90, 90% of the families that I see now, the kids are not pooping. They're on prescriptions or they're going, you know, every couple of days. And again, same thing. I didn't think anything of it. But now that I know better, getting them pooping every day is so important. How safe then is using a suppository if you're if you notice that your child's going days without it? That you would say this would be when I would consider. Yeah, them. yeah. I mean, I was there. Um, again, chronically, if it's something that's ongoing and you're they're just getting worse, they're getting bloated, or you've I've had that wonderful um, trip to the ER where they're impacted, then start to look at something is causing the body to not move. Like that, it's called peristalsis when the muscles of the intestines and literally when you take a first bite of food, the whole thing moves like all the way down. The whole thing starts to wave and push it out. So if that's not happening, there's something underlying stopping the body from doing it, right? So you have to look at that. But yeah, in a pinch, I also say there's other things like um, you can do Epsom salt bath. That's pure magnesium. That can usually help. And then um, way back when my kids were young, I was doing this too. Castor oil. Old grandma's trick. Castor oil rub on the stomach. will start to get things moving. It literally gets soaked in, lubricates, and starts to get things moving. The same thing for an adult? Yeah. Done it. <laughs> <laughs> Real, and and yep. you felt it work? Oh, yeah. And there's other things now too. Okay, like, so okay, so this is and this is like I think people. This is goes way beyond kids. Okay, so castor oil on rub just a, a little right bit on, on the, your stomach, okay. right on your intestines, right there, right okay. on your belly, and it'll get soaked right in. Okay, yeah. so that's one. What else? What other tricks do you have? Um, there's teas. There's certain teas. Fennel tea is amazing. It can get the oh san sana tea. Oh my gosh, my boys are gonna laugh when I talk about this. We call it clean out tea. So once a month, I. For me, I'm like religious about this and I don't care. we all get clean out tea. Like just once a month for peace of mind and it makes like you have a glass of it in the morning and five hours later, you're just like, it's, it's, <laughs> it's, out. it's all out and it's just an herb. So this is the stuff that I recommend to my family. So Epsom salt baths, herbs, um, and there's actually this essential oil that I just recently um, purchased and that it, what's same thing that's in it. It's licorice and fennel, same thing. All you need is a few drops rubbed on your belly. And in a couple hours, you're in the bathroom. Those are really good. I know. They're really good tips to get things moving. But yeah, like depending on how long it's been going on and if it's compounding and the systems yeah, it's are not getting be the worse. quick fix. Yeah. Like you, you haven't gone in a week and you do that. It, that's not the, no. the quick solution. No, there's something else going on. Yeah. How are tests covered, you know, to go get this blood work done, to go get this? How, how Some... far are we in terms of being proactive about it? Some are, some aren't. Um, some people have really good doctors, you know, that will do it on prescription covered by OHIP, and then some um, plans will cover it. Yeah. So yeah. just you just have to start asking the questions. Start asking questions, looking for answers. Okay. There's a ton of answers. There's a ton of great information on your website. It's www.allergiesandme.ca. Yeah. Is that just the best thing for people to go there? There's some resources. There's blogs. Like, what were you hoping to have for people on that first look on that website? Just sharing our story, hoping that it resonates with them um, and that if they want to look for answers, start, you know, taking action, start making changes um, and just to connect and then go from there. There's so many resources in the city that I've just uncovered that are amazing, local people, passionate, um, that can help. It's just about connecting people with, with what they need. And the end, it's available. Like here, there's a resource center. There's sources, everything yeah. um, that's there. Okay, so allergiesandme.ca is the best way to reach out to you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and are, do people come to you? Or are you going to people's homes? Like how, how does it work with you? I work at uh, three different clinics in the West End, okay. actually, kind of like a day per. And mm -hmm. then some Skype, some Zoom, some phone. And yeah, I've, I've actually visited homes. Moms. I was going to say, do yeah. you help? I would think probably <laughs> the biggest asset is having you go through that pantry. Oh, yeah. I would think, right? Yep. Like if I'm in that kind yep. of, I would think having you yep. in my pantry. Yeah, I have done like, that. Yeah, um, I had one mom, she had a newborn and a toddler and the, she was overwhelmed. So yeah, totally. I helped her. Um, I had another mom, I went grocery shopping with her. She was just like, again, that overwhelm. Yeah. And then you just get kind of frozen. What do I that's do next? That's the worst, right? Is, is that often happens. It's too overwhelming. So you do yep. nothing. Yep. And that's not helping the situation. Yep. So that's like one step at a time. Well, happy pooping, everyone. I know everyone's going to be looking in the toilet at least in the next day or so when listening to this and be like, so what's that? What's waiting for me in the toilet bowl? 
And that, with that being said, I will wrap up this edition of Living Your Life with Leanne Lang. I do want to say thank you to everyone who has liked and shared and subscribed and commented. And the best thing is word of mouth. Let your friends know about the podcast, the subjects. We're a hundred and some episodes in. It's been fantastic to see. But it's people like you who help to uh, make the podcast grow. So thank you so much for that. And uh, that is a wrap. Lori, thank you so much. Really appreciate the info. Really <laughs> thank great you again. Yeah, absolutely. Have a great day, everyone. I'm Andrea Askowitz. And I'm Allison Langer. And we are the hosts of Writing Class Radio, a podcast, but we are so much more. We have writing classes. So if you are looking for live online classes where you can join a community, write to a prompt, get feedback, and get better, check out all our classes at writingclassradio.com. And listen to our podcast wherever you get your podcasts and at writingclassradio.com.